Well, good morning, everybody. This is Lowell Whiteman, your host of 360 Performance on a Friday, 11 a.m., having a good time uh, talking to you on Fridays. i got to do a little adjustment on some levels here, make sure we're good. But um, today's going to be a good day. We've got a great show. It's going to talk about administrators in the college uh, athletics area and get some insights. But before we do that, I'm going to set some things up. Uh, we're going to have Joe Parker on with us at 1130. He's going to come in through the Zoom channels. Like, you haven't heard about that before, right? Lots of Zooming going on. I'm one of them. I, so much Zooming is happening around our uh, country. It's a good thing, but as I say that, I want to be mindful of the fact that in the state of Colorado, along with 17 other states, uh, our numbers are going up. Uh, positivity rates are not uh, in a good place. That's not good or bad, I guess, because we're kind of getting used to this stuff, but let's be aware of wearing our masks and making sure. I'll give a plug out to Home Depot today because I was at Home Depot, and I got, for those of you who can see me, I'm going to put my mask on, you know, right like this. Because it, it fits, and I'm going to use it for my workouts. Because one of the things I was having trouble with is having a mask that I could breathe through. And this one works. Uh, and that was at Home Depot. And the price is really good. You get two masks for less than $15. Like 14 something so seven, seven bucks and change for one mask apiece. Um, and they're adjustable. Uh, is, that, is that a shameless plug? Okay. Well, be, be as of what it is. Uh, but welcome, everybody. We're streaming here at KUHS Denver on 360 Performance every Friday at 11 a.m. We're talking about administrative insights. And, um, you know, my metaphor lately because of the pandemic is that grocery stores are cleaner than they've ever been before. Well, now today we're going to talk about is your locker room clean or how clean is your locker room? Because there's probably not a lot of people going in the locker room. Um, and the pandemic has impacted our, our awareness, our sense of what's going on in our world to the point that we uh, have to be sensitive to it. Um, and as I say that, I'm reminded of other things that we need to be aware of and sensitive to, like um, we've got uh, the, the spirit is still here. The body is now interned um, in uh, Washington, D.C. of RBG. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is, uh, has passed away, has left us in body but not in spirit. Um, and her, her mind has been... Um, left us in many ways through the, the writings that she's made on pronouncements and decisions that she's made as a Supreme Court Justice, as well as her efforts in working for um, gender issues, um, feminine rights, equality, social justice. Pick a category. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, has left us in body but not in spirit. And one of the things I want to point out as to the theme for today is about how she fought fear. And she, there, there's quotes that, that I want to give you, or this one quote that fits today's theme is, uh, fight for the things that you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. That way you're going to help them overcome their fear. Get on the other side of fear. And that's our mindset moment this week was provided to me by Jack Canfield, a colleague and I call friend, in our mindset moment this week, and he said, everything you want is on the other side of fear. Everything you want is on the other side of fear. That's a very powerful statement for me because I have my phobias. I've got the things that and people that get in my way that cause me to hesitate. I don't always call them fear, but there are certainly aspects of who I am and what I do that influence me. So I made this comment... Um, Getting to the other side of fear will require a tenacity. Not everyone is prepared to deliver. You can train yourself to be more effective and impactful when dealing with fear. And Jack Canfield's uh, quote should motivate you. Everything you want is on the other side of fear. And we're going to talk not so much about fear today with Joe Parker, the athletic director at Colorado State University. We're going to talk about the lessons he's learned and the lessons he's going to maintain even after the pandemic, that because of the pandemic, he gained a new insight. Maybe, maybe I'll ask him, maybe he got on the other side of fear in his 
approach to dealing with the teams, dealing with the coaches of the teams, dealing with administrators. Because now there is uh, this behavior of athletes that's more academic focused than than the balance, the 50-50 balance, and I'm giving them credit for 50-50 on student versus athlete. Now it's more student than athlete. But there's a different approach because of the pandemic. It's virtual. Very limited contact time on campus so that we can maintain, uh, based on the, the facts that science provides us about what's going on on campus. Um, <laughs> Look at uh, Jared Poulos, our illustrious governor, has said that uh, gathering of youth, 18, I don't know, 18 to 25, I forget what the age range is, but they're going to prohibit the uh, gathering of those uh, youngsters <laughs> together. I wouldn't have so much of a problem with the categorization by age um, if, if the processes that we're going through, the social distancing, wearing a mask, washing your hands, keeping a good mindfulness about what you're doing was there. These are performance issues, and we're talking about performance issues that never were part of that athlete's daily routine as far as practicing. Now, they have to get used to wearing a mask that they can breathe through and can help them maintain um, a good workout. Um, they have been working out. They haven't been practicing. Uh, two things happened this week. One, yesterday, the Pac-12 decided they're going to play football. Big Ten made that decision a few weeks ago. SEC got games all weekend, uh, as well as other conferences. My hope is that along with the, these decisions, and the other one that's made their decision is the Mountain West Conference made that decision today to begin to think, of, begin to schedule and prepare to play. Their first step was to allow the teams to go back to practicing. You know, put the pads on, shorts and sh and or shorts and tops, uh, um, and practice, and then eventually full pads. But I'm going to hope we don't lose sight of those methods and strategies that continue to emphasize healthy interactions off the field. That you wear your mask. That you clean up your locker room and keep things organized so that we're not going to do things that promote the uh, promulgation of the um, germs, <laughs> that we're doing the right thing. Um, and in doing the right thing, let's take a look at some examples out there with our Denver Nuggets. They're well, regretfully, they lost a game last night, so they're behind 3-1, to one, but at the time I reported this, they were at 2-1. to one. Optimistic, right, going into last night's game. Well, they lost last night. Um, they're 3-1. to one. Seems like a, a story they've told before. Uh, now we expect them to win, right, over the weekend, and make it 3-2, to two, and maybe go to 3-3, three to three, and then force a game 7. I hope that's, I, I know that's possible. I'm not so sure it's probable, based on uh, considering the um, combinations on the Lakers team when you've got players stepping up that don't necessarily include LeBron James as the box score leader. He's leading in other ways, which at his stage of his career is the right time to lead in other ways. Lead in the locker room, lead on the sidelines. Um, but at the same time, when he gets in, he's making the shots at the right time. If you look at his point total, that's not the thing to look at. Look at his percentage, his shot percentage. If he's scoring 20 points, let's say, is he taking 10 shots? That's 100%. That's the kind of numbers that impressed me with LeBron, LeBron James. It also is impressive when he sets an example on the sidelines for his team, not just his team, but the NBA. He's wearing a black shirt with a doily collar in respect and honor of RBG. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, as you might, well, some of you may not know, she wore those, those uh, doily collars uh, of many different types and styles to accentuate her black robes as a, as a Supreme Court justice. And uh, Lakers, including uh, LeBron James, did that on the sidelines uh, this week in Game 2 of the semifinal series with the Nuggets. I found that uh, very impressive and very vulnerable for a 
a strong, aggressive male professional athlete to show vulnerability and express it because of the honor and respect he showed towards the notorious RBG. And it wasn't just LeBron. It was other players on the team. Now, in addition to LeBron and his crew, you've got Jamal and the Joker, but I'm wondering, and last night was uh, validated my concern about Djokovic, uh, a jo- uh, sorry, um, Djokovic, um, at, at, I, I was concerned that his performance, Jamal stepped up, got a game win, uh, game three, but game four, he wasn't present. I mean, he was there, but he, he didn't. They out-rebounded the, the Nuggets, um, not quite 2-1, to one, but almost. And a number, of, 13, double-digit offensive rebounds from the Lakers. That's not good. That's not good for the teammates of the Joker bringing, to help him with the rebounding, but double-digit offensive rebounds by the Lakers, that's not good. Um, I'm hoping they're going to come back through the finals. It would be great if they did um, to, to, to join us um, with uh, what's going on. Now, in a few minutes, uh, we're going to have Joe Parker with us, but in bringing Joe on, I want to ask you some questions. And I'm hoping that you're going to take a look at um, 360mindset.com. That's my website. And share some comments with me. Or go, go on to uh, Twitter or Instagram and look up uh, 360mindset and, and share your comments with me there uh, about these questions. Joe Parker, as an athletic director, has a, a very important job. He's... He's molding programs that will influence the future leaders of our country. Yeah, now one could say they're, they're, they're student-athletes, but many student-athletes go on and, and, and extend themselves beyond their sport. They don't all go pro. Um, they, they go into business. They go into uh, careers that are not related to sports. Some may be, but many aren't. But regardless of whatever path they take, Joe Parker and his staff and the coaches that he um, guides and administers to influence those career paths. So I'm wondering what is going on with administration, athletic administration, and in, in what they've had to do to change the environment, the motivational aspects of the environment. I talk about environment all the time and how the environment of a, a, a competitive sports in, environment influences the motivation of the athlete. You know, banners and streamers and the fans and the noise and the music and the jumbotrons, all of these things are components of that environment. Well, the environment's shifted. They haven't seen a lot of that. With the exception of maybe golf and, and soccer outdoors, very few colleges have any sports activities of any kind other than the, the workouts that keep them strong and healthy. So what's going on with athletic administrators as it relates to the academic side? They're virtual. They're not going into the classrooms. They're very seldom going into the facilities at all for any reason. They're being more creative. So I'm interested in talking to, to uh, Joe Parker about those kind of strategies. And, and not so much about playing. We'll get there eventually. I'm, I regret it's taken this long. Uh, for that to happen, but eventually we'll get there, and we'll we'll be prepared to, um, you know, bring leadership back um, to to our our scene and and make sure that we have good programs and the safety of those programs. So the next thing I want to ask you about is how safe are you? We have an increase in the cases in the state of Colorado. Why is that? Some would point back to colleges and schools because we've let kids and teachers go back to class. Not virtual, back to class. Now, I know from personal experience, I was on campus at CSU. It's a ghost town. Very little activity. The typical activity I would normally see, bicyclists, skateboarders, Pedestrian students walking the mall, walking the, the, the courtyards, walking the hallways of the uh, union. It's not happening because it shouldn't. It should be very minimal traffic. And whatever traffic is there should be wearing masks and being conscious of distancing amongst one another. 
I want that to happen. I want to be, I expect to be a voice of that behavior so that we honor and stay accountable to ourselves, if not those around us, to meet the expectations that the CDC has put out there. Now, as I say that, when I talk to leaders, administrators in, in athletic programs, leaders at franchises at the pro level, corporate executives, I ask about what are you saying to your constituents, to your teams about what you expect them to do as it relates to their behavior in interacting with their peers. Now, there are some aspects of business as well as education that you, you just can't avoid being in interacting. One of my clients has warehousing and they have inventory. Well, those people have to be, a truck does not load itself. And we don't have full autonomy with robots in the warehouse to go pick the product and load the truck. Even the Amazon warehouses still need people to manage the equipment to get the merchandise on the truck. At the schools, we still have things that need to happen. We still have lights that need to go on so computers can run so that they can have the servers actively exchange the data for those students who are in their apartments virtually participating in the classes. And even with that being said, we can't be totally virtual because eventually when there's an assessment that needs to happen, kids may have to come in and sit in a classroom setting and take a test because the nature of the course doesn't allow it, the test, to be virtual, to be through a computer. Plus, regretfully, we got to proctor these things. Make sure that people aren't cheating. Quality of the process. Well, there's a lot of strategies that are happening. And I'm not close to all of them. So I bring in people like Joe Parker to be part of the process and share with us what he is doing in his world to maintain those processes. All right, so I'm going to take a bit of a pause for just a second and talk about uh, some of the things that are going on around our, our world and our community. Um, I have uh, some wonderful things to talk about regarding um, the, our, our community around here. Be aware that our, in, in Westminster, in Westminster, Colorado, and other parts of the country, um, workouts, um, I, I, it's hard for me to say this, but I'm going to say it because I want to be vulnerable. I turned 65 in the month of September, and that in itself is a process. So make sure that you're going out and checking your community centers. They're, they're opening up. Uh, they're practicing uh, social distancing, uh, some great things. I've learned about things like silver sneakers. I learned about that. That's an amazing program. Um, it's, uh, it's gotten me out of the house, which I desperately want to get out of the house. Um, maintaining compliance with the guidelines, with masking, washing my hands, social distancing, is great, but it's not the same as I used to participate around the neighborhood. And I want to make sure that Check it out. Check out your, your local uh, facilities. Uh, Westminster Community Centers and, uh, and Workout Centers are great uh, in the Broomfield area as well. So check them out. Make sure that you're, you're doing your part to stay healthy. The other thing I want to mention to you is vote. Uh, it was National Voting Awareness uh, Week this week or day this week. Uh, make sure you're getting out there and you register to vote and do your part in uh, staying informed because once you register to vote, if you haven't already, and if you have, you're getting some of this information about those places you can go vote. Making sure that you're getting good information about the um, mail-in voting process. In some states, you must request that. In other states, like Colorado, we get a mail-in vote. We get a mail-in ballot. And then we have a choice. Um, it's very clear and very, very accurate. Um, I'm proud to say in the state of Colorado, we don't have the same kind of questions about the process and its accuracy as other states have. It's good to ask questions. Keep asking those questions. But once you get the answers and they're verifiable by something tangible in your hands or people have shown you, here's the process, here how, here's how it works, password, username, all the things that would indicate to you that it's safe and secure, then go vote and do it with your head held high and get your little button. Well, this is an RBG button in honor of uh, the notorious RBG. But get your little sticker uh, that you voted. The other thing I wanted to mention to you is uh, flu shots. 
I've been all over the map with this in my own mind about do I get a flu shot? Do I not get a flu shot? Well, October is a good month to do that. So you give your body a chance to really build up the immunities to that. But flu is obviously not COVID or, or the um, coronavirus, the novel coronavirus, but the flu shot will help build your immunities in ways that kind of minimizes the impact uh, of other other pathogens that you might have. I know for me, when I get a when I get a flu shot, my susceptibility to colds is much reduced. Doesn't mean I won't get a cold, but whatever colds I get um, are going to be much more manageable. So what I'm telling you in a long-winded way is I'm going to get a flu shot, and I'm going to get it in the month of October. So. Uh, make your own decision. Get the facts. Ask questions. There's lots of great places. Your drug stores, your doctor's offices. Um, in many cases, the flu shots these these days are free. Uh, so get get a flu shot. Uh, I'm, don't even take me down the path about COVID vaccine. Um, but I will tell you that I'm, I'm not I'm not sure I'm going to get one. But I'm going to be watching the science to give me the information on whether or not I should. Um, and that's the proper way to look at. Any, any pathogen, any viral or bacterial injections, any, anything you're going to try to get to protect yourself, ask questions of, of professionals who give you scientific um, rationale and answers to the question about, should I or shouldn't I? Um, I think that's important. So the vaccine thing, the only thing I'm going to talk about about the COVID vaccine, you hear about phase three. Well, that's where they're giving people uh, the inoculants to see how they respond to it so they can track this. And right now, there's a number of different processes uh, from, from pharmaceutical companies that are trying to create a vaccine. Uh, Johnson & Johnson, for example, has a new process that does not include that multiple vaccine inoculation. Other companies have a two-step vaccine. So once they've gone through stage three where people have tried it out and we've, we've given it enough time and numbers we're not Russia. A hundred people is not enough people to have the vaccine tested with. Giving it to your daughter is not a way to say, well, she's okay, so everybody should get it. Science, people, the numbers build the probability that it gives us the insurance to statistically that a vaccine works. And it's not a hundred. It's not even 200. In, in, more, in more appropriate cases, it's thousands. Thousands of people need to step up and get in these programs, these phase three programs, to test the vaccines, to make sure that they are legit. And even that being said, or the Johnson & Johnson program with one-step vaccine uh, inoculations, it's numbers. We need people to get in there and get the numbers so that we get good evidence about what's going on. And even with that being said, the first vaccine that comes out that meets those numbers, it's going to have about a 70 to 75% validity and accuracy of, now that's better than nothing, okay? Don't get me wrong. But it will then take time after that to continue to do the inoculations of a of legitimate vaccine that's gone through the testing process properly. And then as that happens, now you've got the herd immunity thing popping in. Because as antibodies and ant are built up in people, you're going to have this, uh, this process uh, take off and really work. That's the science. Learn the science. Ask questions about the science. And get scientific experts to talk to you about what's real and how it works. Um, we're coming up to about 25 after. Uh, we're going to have uh, Joe Parker joining us. But you're listening to the stream of KUHS Denver. Every Friday with me, 11 a.m., 360 Performances here, talking about performance issues. Now, I understand I've talked about science this morning. I've talked about uh, the COVID virus. But it's all about performance because that kind of stuff impacts all of us. So whether the performance issue was about how do you run your company or how do you run your team, your sports team, college or pro, we're all connected in some way. So we're taking some connection time to talk about the different aspects of performance as it relates to disease states. Now, when Joe Parker comes in, we're going to push that to the side, and we're going to talk about how those disease issues have impacted the administrative task of an athletic director at a Division I college. That's the CSU Rams, my alma mater. That's where I got my doctorate from, Colorado State University. All right, so a few more minutes, and uh, Joe will be joining us. Um, I want to 
put a, a shout out and some thanks to all the people here at KUHS uh, and what they do for me and helping me. I want to uh, send out a, a, a sign of gratitude. I'm very grateful to uh, my colleagues here at um, KUHS Denver, uh, especially those people that are very close to me with uh, Nikki Burnett and her nutrition, her functional nutrition show that she has every Thursday. And uh, my colleague, and I hope he's still my friend, I heard I, I may have made a mistake, and I regret the mistake, but I wasn't aware of it. Uh, hold me accountable to what I know, and I didn't know this. So, Charlie, I got your back. I know now what to do, and I'll make sure I, I hang in there for you. So I, re I regret that last week was, or two weeks ago was not a good week. So I'm grateful for those friendships and those um, uh, supporters that I have here at KUH Denver for the, the great work that we create here every week on a Friday. Um, you know, um, it, th this place doesn't go on if it weren't for uh, Henry Archuleta and the, the Archuleta family. Um, you're, you're always there for me. Thank you. I appreciate everything that you do. Uh, even when you're tested and challenged, you still deliver. Interesting how that happens. Um, now, another thing I want to mention is that there's a lot of great sports events going on this weekend. Um, you, as I said earlier, you've got uh, football. College football is happening. The SEC, a lot of good uh, football is happening with the SEC this weekend. Uh, the Pac-12, as I mentioned earlier, is making decisions about when they're going to start in October. But that's, that's the word right now is October is when they're going to um, start their uh, season. Uh, the Big Ten is also going to be amping up uh, their season in October. Uh, I, I, I'm going to ask Joe the question. Mountain West has made their decisions uh, about re bringing back their season. I'm going to guess they're going to bring theirs back in October as well. I'm going to be interested to know how far, how long the season will be. Will they end at, at year end? And the timing is perfect, Joe. I know. I wanted to come in a little bit early. Were, so. were your ears burning? Because I just mentioned your name as we had the little, uh, little ding dong on the, on the, uh, on the thing here. Let me just make sure that I get uh, the proper. No, I don't want there. I don't want the split screen. No. Yeah, I want Joe. I want Joe's. There you go. I love that. All right. All right, so, so you do this all on your own, or you have other Oh, no, we've got a studio here. There's a whole studio here. If, if, if the sound doesn't, if I didn't have them here, the sound would look so crappy. But I still have to push buttons. And I, I, have, I have these hands that look like this. <laughs> so I, I don't always trust myself. So, uh, but thank you. I want to say my thank yous right off the bat. Thank you, Joe, for taking the time today. This is awesome. Um, where do we find you? Are you in the office, or are you at home? Yeah, I'm on campus. Awesome. Awesome. We talked a little bit before you came on about what what do these little masks mean to people, and I you know I said I got a new one today. I got one I can breathe through, so when I work out, I can actually you know yeah. continue my workout without passing out. And that's where I want to start, Joe. You've been as every athletic director on the country at any level, Division three through one. You're faced with these new new methods, new things you have to do. What what has been your 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 motivational message to keep everybody kind of hunkered down with the mask and the hand washing and the distancing. Yeah, you know, it's been, it, you know, it's been six months now since we kind of left more normalized operations on campus. I think it was March, March 18th that we stepped away from CSU's campus and went into, in the case of our students, went to virtual learning. In the case of our staff, went to, you know, virtual work environments. And, uh, you know, right at the onset, you know, I, I thought about, you know, that messaging piece and, you know, you're trying to information gather and understand the, the environment, the situation and how you might begin to cope and coexist with uh, the coronavirus. And, and it, you know, every day has brought, you know, some level of change and, and um, you know, sometimes you feel a lot of ambiguity and uncertainty. But for me, the message to the staff has always been, we need to figure out a way to stay together in a way in which that we can get to the other side of this. this. Because I'm, you know, I'm absolutely convinced that you know at some point we're going to develop the right level of therapeutics. We'll have vaccines in place. We'll have ways to cope with coronavirus. And at that point in time, you know, we want to be ready to normalize operations and and kind of, you know, for a long time it was you know that first you know six seven weeks was just about harbor in place and and. Um, you know, and learn to work within virtual environments. And I've, I've been extremely pleased with the way that our students responded and extremely 
pleased with the way that our staff has responded. You know, and now we've got the ability to come back to campus. We start that process in June. And, uh, you know, it began with just bringing teams back for strength conditioning activities. And, and now, you know, after a postponement of fall sports, you know, we're going to resume fall football. Um, that was a big announcement last night with the Mountain West decision. So we're, we're preparing for that now. So there's students on campus and coaching staffs on campus. And some of us, the staff members, have returned as well. Preparedness is a great word, right? And in that preparedness, we add that messaging component. And latitude of the message is sometimes left to interpretation by coaches and players and, and administrative support people. So what are some of the areas that, you know, when it starts getting out to the edges of the, the message and, and the degree with which you want to make sure, what are some of the hard lines that you want to make sure are, are kept in place as an administrator with these messages? You know, for, for us, I think, you know, some of the foundational pieces that we always reflect and refer to is our mission, which is just simply five words, and that's to, ed, to educate, engage, and excel. And then we have 11 guiding principles that, that you know, we try and refer to when we're making decisions big or small. So that's always kind of a touch point, I think, for, for staff, and we try and reinforce those things. But I, I'd say probably, Lyle, some of the early mistakes we made was just not um, communicating intensively enough, um, you know, you kind of you kind of work a little bit in concentric circles. So you know, my, my closest uh, you know cohort is you know our executive staff and and the head coaches, and then you know beyond that, you know, you sort of rely on coaches to deliver the appropriate messaging, and, and then you rely on the unit leaders to do the same within their units and. And I think we lost a little bit collectively as a department about just the communal feel, you know, the sense of community. Yeah. Uh, so we, you know, probably July time frame, you know, I, I, I recognize that as a, a miss on our part. And, and at, at the onset, it was just we didn't have anything to share, right? So from March until, you know, really mid-April or late April, there was just, you know, we didn't know. You know, we just didn't know what, you know, what the future was going to kind of look like. Um so it just felt hard to kind of get into a, a big kind of town hall format with staff and just have not much to, to go on or share, you know, and just wasn't certain that, you know, just speculation and, and uncertainty was the right message to bring to them. Um, so when we got more prepared and we understood that we were going to be bringing students back in June, I think that's when we started getting more intentional about having, you know, sort of larger formats. But... But what I did recognize is that people just simply wanted to be able to ask questions, and even if you didn't have the answers, they wanted to hear at least what you could offer. And so, you know, hopefully we never have to back the train up and go through a, another pandemic. But, but you know, those are kind of our lessons learned that you know we need to keep it, keep the communication going, even if there's not a whole lot to share, because I think people just like to be connected to one another. Well, I, I know you well enough to know that communication, even though it may be challenging at times, you're one of the best ones at that in your position as an administrator. Because uh, I've known you since Iowa State and then Texas Tech and then now at CSU, and your path has always been resplendent with that messaging process. But with that being said, you've got a lot of moving parts now that you're bringing things back together. So on the system side of things, I look at the pandemic as a metaphor with a grocery store. I've never seen the grocery store so clean. <laughs> so the sense of awareness seems to be really high. So today I promoted it as, how clean is your locker room? <laughs> so we're, the systems, have they changed at all? Have, has the awareness gotten higher to certain levels of sensitivity? Uh, you know, I get, you know, we probably haven't tinkered too much with our systems, but, but what I, what I've been pleased with, most of our people are still in virtual environments. So a lot of what we've done from an external perspective has been executed from people's home offices or their workspaces at home. And, um, you know, so it, it just reinforced that our, our systems have stood up. And I, I think, uh, first about kind of our ticket operations. So, you know, we, 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 we uh, you know, we've got a, a team of about four people that manage kind of all of our data and do various things with that data and and then prepare kind of all the interfaces that a customer would use when they're, you know, renewing tickets, purchasing tickets, all those pieces. And that group 
in our development team went through, I mean, just they evaluated all kinds of models about hosting people in venue, you know, from different percentages of capacity for the stadium and how would we organize the stadium in such a fashion that you could maintain social distancing. And, and they did all kinds of incredible work um, and were able to do it because, you know, they, they, they really have understood how to manage kind of through our information systems in particular and the database, you know, the, the database management pieces that we use to, to kind of keep track of all that information. And, and all of that was, um, you know, done with really probably not, there, there won't, we, we likely won't be able to execute on any of that, right? So right now we haven't gotten permissions from our lo local public health authorities to host fans when we resume play for football on October 24th. Um, you know, will that change? Possibly. Did all that exercise go to waste? Not, not like, no, I don't think it did. But with that group, too, built a very eloquent system that we could deploy virtually to people that made calls to all of our season ticket holders. So we did a, a process we refer to as our customized account management. And we wanted to be very intentional to connect with our external stakeholder groups and those customers and, and you know, share with them our challenges and then ask them to continue to help the Rams in, in doing either one of three things convert what they may have given to us already for their season tickets into a 100% tax-deductible donation that we could use to operate the department this year. Uh, second was at least allow us to keep that money and basically a ticket bank for future seasons that we will host. And and then the third was, um, you know, a full refund, which we were willing to grant that people if they felt that was the best course of action for them. Or, or do any, any one of those three things, you know, fill a percentage of the bucket with whatever they felt comfortable with the money that we had in place from their, their uh, purchase of season tickets. And, and it was a, an, an amazing process, well, and a very gratifying one that 81% um, of our season ticket holders elected to keep the money in place, either by converting it to a full donation or allowing us to use it for future ticket purchases. Well, you, you know as well as I do, the Rams have a lot of uh, fortitude, and they, uh, they're not afraid of a challenge. So being honest and straight up with them, Raise, get, raises them to the, the level that you need to. So, Joe, what would be the best way for a fan if they had a question about anything going forward prior to October 24th, where should they go to ask their question or get information? Yeah, there, there's, uh, I mean, csurams.com is our website, and we use that as kind of the hub for all information sharing. Uh, our social media platforms are another place that people can go and they can find, you know, how to get to those each of those, whether it be Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, uh, through csurams.com. And then there's resources on csurams.com that would help you understand where to guide a question. You know, So if it's a particular area of the department, um, we publish our staff directory there so everyone can find an email address for individualized staff members to send a question directly to them. So I'd say that that's, that's probably the, the best resource for people to go to. So with, with these announcements uh, from the conference, as well as the, the current announcement from the governor about our rates are going up, no, no, we're going to prohibit mingling of 18 to 25-year-olds in large groups. You know, the, I, I laugh because I'm not so sure how, as a, if I think about it as a parent or as an administrator, because an administrator acts like a parent sometimes. You know, how do you... How do you disperse that kind of stuff? So when you look forward, Joe, into October, November, December, are, are we looking at, other than just football, coming, coming to play, literally coming to play, or are we not looking that far forward yet? Uh, I mean, we're, we're always forward thinking. You know, we're five weeks into semester you know, here at CSU. We, we've done really well with managing COVID spread. Um, uh, you know, I'm talking just generally within the campus community, not yeah. just simply in athletics. Uh, but, but you know, as we know with this virus, you know, you know, you can become a vector, and you know, suddenly, you know, people that you you've been near are are then infected too, and and you've got an outbreak that you're trying to manage as opposed to you know trying to stay viral spread. You know, you you've got to deal with people that have been infected. Um, <clears throat> you know, for us as a campus. Uh, we made the decision to, to go through um, uh, to, to just before the Friday of, of fall break, which is just before Thanksgiving, and then convert the campus for the last three weeks to virtual learning. Um, over 70% of our classes have been 
uh, either in person or hybrid, which means a portion of your classes each week are, are taught in person. So we've been, I think, better than most universities in the ability to kind of keep with that residential learning model in in-person instruction. Uh, but but things can change, and and for us, you know, it's just a matter of being ready to make those adaptations and and be able to uh, still support students in whatever way that they need to be supported. Um, but but for our teams, you know, we're we're you know we're hopeful that we get these games in, you know, for the. You know, before the end of the calendar year, we're planning to launch football and men and women's basketball. The NCAA has a common start date for men and women's basketball of November 25th. We still need to kind of build the full schedule. We'll play a conference schedule of 18 games and then have an opportunity for some non-conference contests. I know the coaching staffs are working on those games as we speak. Now, Joe, you know I have a basis of understanding of these coaches and who they are as people. So I know there's... there's um a certain level of frustration <laughs> built into the character of some of these coaches. So I'm always I'm always curious as to when you have a, a conversation with the coaches as a group or as individuals, what are some words of wisdom that you give them on how to maintain that emotional state as a coach and, and share with their players uh, an exemplar <laughs> of behavior? <laughs> and I'm thinking specifically of Ryan and then, you know, he he's got a he's a ball of energy with that women's program, and I'm going, gosh, how is Joe handling that? <laughs> yeah, you know, it, co- coaches are interesting. You know, I mean, every one of them obviously has their own unique personality. But I think there's some common things about them. You know, that, that brought them to the profession in the first place. You know, I, I think in our case, we've got coaches that you know really want to help young people develop through their sport, uh, but they also you know they're they're coaches that work. You know, they, they like environments where they, they have, you know, some level of control or or at least they they, they feel like they've anticipated things. But but then, you you know, you consider what happens in a game. I mean, they're used to sudden change and, and circumstances not playing out as maybe planned. And and so for us, as we've as we've talked, you know, um, individually or, you know, within our meetings with the coaching cohort, you know, it's just trying to get them to understand that, you know, COVID is, is an opponent that we'll, we, we have very little control over and, and you just got to be prepared for whatever it's going to bring on a daily basis. You know, there's things that we're going to put in place. There's ways that we can educate our students to, to help them, um, you know, play, play and practice in the safest environments possible. Uh, but, but ultimately, you know, the virus is going to dictate so many things, you know, whether we're going to be able to gather and practice today and then eventually whether we're going to be able to gather and compete today. Uh, but, but you know, I mean, it, it's been a message of, of resiliency. It's been a message of patience. It's been a message of, you know, let, let's stay on point to, to our mission. Let's do our very best to, to, you know, keep a servant attitude and really look out for our students. And, and then in turn, you know, their staffs too, you know, I mean, everyone – Everyone's battling right now with with uncertainty and ambiguity and just the challenges that brings on a prof- personal and professional level. And then you know we have to also be mindful. We've we've had students and staff that have been you know impacted by COVID. You know with relatives that have had um, you know had had the virus and and some that you know didn't have good recovery outcomes too. Uh, Joe, one of the one of the individuals that is really near and dear to my heart is Terry down in in physical therapy and the training area. I, I can only imagine the the number of additional considerations that need to be made in their area to not only maintain environmental security and safety and health, but just just cost, just yeah. keeping on top of it. What what has been your biggest challenge with regard to the the issues that Terry has to deal with and his staff? Yeah, you know, you bring up Terry DeZeo. So Terry's our senior associate AD for health and performance. And so he's got a, a, a pretty broad team and, and certainly a team that's, you know, integrally important to our student-athlete experience. And uh, even before I kind of get into those pieces, Terry Terry has been absolutely remarkable. I mean, he, before COVID, you know, he, he, he's, he stands, you know, head and shoulders above many of his peers. Uh, but certainly in COVID has, has proved to be an extremely valuable resource, not just simply for athletics, but for for the institution and and even to the profession, because you know he's a thought leader. He's plugged into all the national groups. 
Um, you know, he did some amazing benchmarking work and information gathering initially, and and I think in so many ways built a best practices model for here for us here at CSU in, in total collaboration and partnership with all the right resources with UC Health, OCR, um, and our internal pandemic planning or preparedness planning team. Um, but yeah, Terry Terry's a great resource, as you know, and, and um, I'm going to have to ask you to remind me exactly what the question was that you asked me. Well, the, the, yeah, the, the, Joe, the expansion of those those demands on that department that's already got a healthy amount of demand anyway and adapting and adjusting is something that Terry and I have had many discussions about as relates to a specific athlete but now with this on top of it what are the messages that you as an administrator are sharing with the Terry Desway and, and or strength conditioning coaches that you know that those are things that can continue but in a limited basis or so give me your thoughts on yeah. what what the changes yeah. are yeah you know and, and you know Terry, I think, is is really strong in his ability to kind of lead and manage that staff direct. You know, I've lent my voice to that when, whenever possible. And that, that's a, a category of our employees that's, that's literally on the front line. You know, when you think about sports med, um, when we were doing our intake uh, exams and, and our, our PCR tests when students were returning to campus, you know, the first person, first faces that they were seeing were our people in sports medicine. And, uh, you know, they've got deep, valuable relationships with our students. So, you know, they, they've had to be, you know, you know, in, in every circumstance, you know, they're, they're, they're there as a voice of reassurance, um, you know, but, but in these times, you know, they've had to really amp up uh, that, that, that uh, responsibility that they have to our students to really kind of help them navigate these things. So for me, you know, it's always just been trying to reinforce, you know, the importance of every role within the department, um, the role that they serve in support of our student-athletes, you know, trying to offer our student-athletes reassurances in environments where it's hard to really provide any concrete messaging. I think that that staff in particular, what became such a struggle is, um, you know, the directives from the CDC, how those were interpreted by state public health, um, how those in turn were um, localized, the interpretations within Larimer County, that became a real challenge, you know, when it was bringing international students back, you know, you know, quarantine obligations, domestic student travel, what's the quarantine obligations, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, when we tested students and we did have a positive, you know, handoff immediately to, to public health and the contact tracing, you know, protocols that go through and then you know, building a, a quarantine and isolation model on campus, and what do we do with students that live off campus? I mean, all those things are, are you know, new to our vocabulary. I mean, yeah. things that we've never even considered prior to, you know, to really, you know, the March time frame, and, and it just became kind of the overtake of our entire lives. I mean, that's all we've discussed for six months, really, is COVID, and how that layers into what we want to try and do as we normalize operations you know joe you're describing connections between a number of different entities that help to solve a very major problem uh, whether it's the foreign students coming in or it's an on-campus quarantine scenario there's lots of parts that need to talk and communicate now in the past when there wasn't a, a health emergency those groups either didn't need to talk or if they did it was very limited and and, and I'm wondering if there's been any galvanizing of relationships that you're going to hang on to in the f future. Like I said with my grocery store example, it's never been cleaner because of COVID. I'm wondering, will it stay that way in the, going forward? So have you seen some galvanizing and will it stay? A absolutely. And I, and I don't know how it doesn't stick, right? So, you know, I mean, the, the, you know, our, our pandemic preparedness team, they've reviewed every decision to for the return to campus, whether it's been athletics or... Uh, faculty members or, or the research enterprise of the university or housing or food services. I mean, everything you can possibly imagine that needs to be evaluated for risk of COVID spread and what protocols we're putting in place to mitigate those those uh, concerns was reviewed by our, our PPT, as we refer to it. And kind of the three principal characters within that team are Mark Barker, who's a former military um, man, uh, who, who is the director of our uh, adult and veteran learning services, and then Lori Lynn, who runs the CSU Health Network, and then Janine Reese, who's our, our, our key public health official on campus. 
Um, you know, we, we all knew, you know, we all had work and interactions and, and times where we intersected with Mark and with Lori and with, with Janine, but we meet weekly with them and have done since uh, probably late April. And we've gone through all of these complexities and we've wrestled with all these issues together. And, and um, you know, it, it, it has been gratifying to see how we, you know, athletics has connected with them and we have this team of trust. Um, and I, I, you know, I mean, we, we, today we, you know, that meeting happens at 9 a.m. every, every Friday and, and, you know, the university is kind of managing a, a few issues right now. And, and uh, it was great to be able to provide some solutions for them, you know, and, and, and we, we in athletics had a couple of technology solutions that were going to solve, you know, some concerns and issues that they were trying to overcome. And, you know, it, it, there is, I think, you know, that's going to be ongoing, you know. And, and so, Joe, with that kind of experience that you're having, and I could just see it on your face, the appreciation you have for the people you mentioned, you know, Mark and Lori and Janine and the others. But I'm also wondering about whether or not that message and those experiences should be shared in some way with the students and the student bodies to kind of complete the circle of understanding that the kids actually, whoa, they, yeah, I, I, I see why I got a mask, but I didn't know how I got the mask or I didn't know how I got considered. Are, are, you, are you making that message aware through the public relations program? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, we probably need to do more of that. You know, we we have done some storytelling to external stakeholders, um, but you know, I, you know, your 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 comment prompted a thought that, um, you know, we, we you know we've got we've got a lot of stakeholders in athletics. You know, you know, primary is our student athletes, and and uh, you know, we invited them into several meetings with the PPT uh, so that they could hear, you know, their voice. As it related to what was going to be required to help mitigate viral spread, you know, social distancing, mask wearing, personal hygiene, hand sanitization, um, you know, good choices, you know, and what what we found is, um, you know, I think it, it, it's helped to hear a different voice other than you know those in athletics that they hear from more frequently. Um, we've done individualized roster meetings where the PPT team has come in to talk to our our, our students. Um, you know, they did kind of a, an onboarding orientation when we were kind of repopulating campus for athletic activities. They've done, uh, you know, meetings to reinforce messaging. You know, if we've had a few uh, lapses or, or shortfalls in, in what we want to do to kind of help manage viral spread, whether it be, um, you know, lapses in judgment from students on what they do outside our, 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 our space, you know, we've invited... Um, you know, Blanche Hughes, who's Vice President of Student Affairs and the PPT to, you know, encourage our students to make good decisions. You know, every time we do kind of the exercise of, of uh, you know, contact tracing and try and understand where someone may have encountered, you know, the virus if they're positive, you know, almost, I think in every case, it's been, you know, a vector outside the athletic experience. You know, it hasn't been what they're doing with us under our supervision. It's and, and they're college students, and you yeah. expect them to be college students. So, you know, on the weekend, are they going to go to someone's apartment and, and visit and have conversation and play a video game? Very likely. You know, are they going to, you know, gather in small groups? You know, of course, you know. And what you want to do, you know, you want them to do that in smart ways. You know, think about mask wearing. Think about trying to physically distance in those spaces, you know. As opposed to gathering indoors, can you do it outdoors? You know, because the risk of viral spread is so much less when you're in an outdoor environment. So it's it's been it's been a, a you know a constant effort to re-educate you know baseline education and then reinforce and then share new information as it's developed. Um, you know, uh, testing has been a big thing for our students. You know, they 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 want to know that we have the ability to test. So after our intake testing, we built a surveillance testing program that is in operation right now. You know, the return to play for football and the other sports is going to be uh, really supported by by intensive testing with, with um, you know, antigen testing that in the case of those teams that, you know, are competing this fall, they'll, they'll get three tests per week. Everyone on the roster, everyone on the inner bubble as it relates to staff people that have more direct interaction with those students. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're amping up every way we can to protect students. Now, Joe, as we get close to the conclusion of our time together, I want to I ask you about um, 
things that you're recommending to students to do to kind of keep their minds busy? Like, for example, Becky Orr has the student-athlete leadership group down there. You know, are, are they becoming ombudsmans, if you will, to the community, both in and outside of athletics, with these messages that you're talking about? Oh, yeah. The, the, the student-athlete uh, support services unit that Becky leads at Albert's kind of, you know, it reports to Albert his role as an assistant VP for student affairs. Uh, it, they've been instrumental, um, you know. What I mean, you, you know how athletics functions. I mean, you've, you've got all of these people arrayed in, in, in service units around our students, and each of them has a direct relationship with a subset of you know our roster, right? And every kid that's in athletics probably has you know between coaches, support services. Uh, administrators. I mean, there's probably at least, you know, in every case, a half dozen to a dozen adults that that have a relationship with each student that, you know, triangulates around what their experience is, that tries to help them kind of move forward, whether it be academic or their athletic interests or life beyond, you know, the university. Uh, so, so yeah, it's a it's a caring environment, and certainly that SAS unit that Becky leads is is integral into reinforcing all kinds of messaging, whether it be, you know, keeping their focus on their academic obligations, um, you know, helping them wrestle with, you know, life challenges, you know, boyfriend-girlfriend relationships, you know, issues that may be surfacing back home, you know, with family members being, you know, ill or whatever, um, you know, so it's, it's uh, you know, it, it's a village. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. Well, what we do and how we do it. Let me share a resource that came to my attention uh, last night that you might be interested in that could help uh, your investigative processes on campus as it relates to COVID. It comes from Sweden, and it's going to involve your, your, your friendly canine at home and that wonderful lab that you have because they're now training dogs to sniff out, sniff out COVID. So I'm figuring, hey, you could, you'd have an excuse to bring in to work. And, yeah, and I've heard that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm wondering if, if the resources list is probably not exhausted yet, but I wonder if, if the canine crew for COVID might be on the list for resource management. It, uh, I'll put it on now. It hadn't been before. <laughs> but, but, you know, case in point on that, you know, the, the university is surveilling wastewater here on campus yeah. because that would be a predictor of viral spread two weeks in advance. So. They've got better than, I think, now almost 20 collection spots on campus that they're sampling two, three times a week. Well, I know there's a lot of people that ask me to be hold a, you know, give me an answer. Give me a day. When can I go sit in the stands and be a fan? And it's not possible to give anybody an accurate day. Uh, but So, Joe, I'm not going to ask you that, but I'm going to ask you about what has, has the Mountain West and or the NCAA said to you about concretes? What are some ab some things you can actually move forward on that are, are going to keep us boast, bold up, you know, and, and, and hopeful for a day where we can sit in the fan stands as a fan? Yeah, on the, on the return to, you know, a more normalized experience, I mean, I, I wish I had some idea when the finish line was. I mean, if you if you told me the date, I, it, all of this would be so much easier if we knew yeah. the date. Um, you know, I, I think we turn into the new year, into 2021, and I think with the availability of rapid testing that's going to be much more prevalent than it even is now, you know, um, at the onset of fall, that's going to be a helpful piece. And then certainly, um, you know, the vaccine, work that's being done by multiple entities across the globe, you know, I, I'm encouraged, you know, so I, 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 I think by the time we get to the end of the academic year in 2021, um, you know, April, May timeframe of 2021, I, 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 I really hope that we can, you know, start to think about, you know, the upcoming academic year, which will be 21-22 is, is back to business as usual. Well, I, I hope we can... I hope that's where we get it to. Well, Joe, I, I appreciate that as, as, as it loose as it might be for some people, it's specific enough to give us hope that the future is bright for, for organizations like CSU who have handled it as, as uh, well as you guys have in keeping things moving, keeping it moving forward. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for the day when I'm going to look at you across the table instead of across a screen, yeah. and we'll, we'll be able to sit down and, and share some more thoughts. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for being with me today. 
Um, I'll, I'll be sharing this with you for you, your use at, in the future. I didn't tell you that, to send you the file so you have this for your archives. Um, you're listening to 360 Performance every, every Friday at 11 o'clock right here at KUHS uh, Denver. We stream all over the world now. I'm just amazed that that's what's happened to us. Um, so if you have an inquiry for me or for Joe Parker, he gave you the information. Joe, give us the website again for CSU. Yep, it's csurams.com, so www.csurams.com. And if you have a question you can't get a hold of that website, go to 360mindset.com, and I will share any thoughts you might have for Joe Parker and the CSU Rams. Go Rams, because I'm an alum, too. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. I appreciate your time, brother. Have a good day. Okay. Thank you, Lowell. Be well. Be well as well.